sing it with me now. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth. love him. Hallelujah. Let's sing the song, Days of Elijah. Amen. I've just got it burning on my heart. i got to sing it. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. These are the days of your servant Moses righteousness Days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sorrow. Still, we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Holy come, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. Trumpets cold, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee, and out of science here salvation comes. Let's bring it up. All the days of Ezekiel are right now. 
like my Jehovah. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. My, it sounds so nice when you worship that way. Amen. I know our Lord Jesus is pleased with that. Hallelujah. We're going to change the order of our service. It's time to take our special needs before the throne. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Mark Sylvester if he'd make his way forward to take these needs to the Lord for us. Amen. <clears throat> have some folks that are out with us today. And we want to remember them in prayer. To mention a few, amen. Brother Steve and Sister uh, Sarah are not here with us at this time. We remember them in prayer. Um, Sister Crystal Johnson is requesting prayer, amen. Brother Ben McCafferty is not with us today. He's in Arizona, so if you'd remember him in prayer, I think he's attending a funeral service. So. God would grant traveling mercies. I want to remember Brother David Whitlock. He was not able to make it today. And uh, the Drum family also is requesting prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Brother Caleb uh, is not with us today. He has an oral infection. And I just ask that you remember him in prayer. Amen. That's all I have at this time. Do you have unspoken needs on your heart? We'll take those before the throne. Father, Lord Jesus, it's uh, good, Lord, to be in your house today, Father. It's good to gather in your name, Lord. It's good, Lord, to, to serve you, Father. As it's often said, Lord, what would we do if it wasn't for you, Father? It, uh, the, the word said, Lord, if only in this life we have hope, then we'd be as men most miserable. If this was it, Lord, and then we die, and that's the end, as many believe, Lord, what a a miserable existence it would be. But Lord, we thank you that we're a people that have hope. That we have a... We look forward, Lord, to the promises and the and the things that you, Lord, tell hold us in your word, that you have a place prepared for us, Lord. And these things give our heart joy, and the things that we go through in this life seem so small, Lord, compared to what awaits us and how we thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for answered prayers. Lord, it's uh, to those who are of us who are the recipient of your grace and your mercy, Lord, it's a, a big deal to us to give you praise and glory, Father. And that's what we do, Lord. Thank you for all the prayers you have answered. And we come again, Lord, because we are a needy people, Father, asking these requests that was made mention to you this morning, that you are intercede on every one of these behalf Lord uh, the needs that was presented we pray you'll grant each and touch each one Lord Lord may your angel of mercy be around us Lord and protect us from all these uh, pestilence and the sickness and so on that's going on and those who are affected by it Lord we pray that you will touch them and heal them Lord and raise them up and we ask this morning that you will increase our faith Lord as your word comes Father May we receive it in our hearts, Lord, and I pray you'll accomplish that which, Lord, you've intended it to, Father. We praise and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I give a testimony? You can be seated if you don't mind. I just want to take advantage of this um, opportunity to um, 
thank God for his, his mercy to our um, little granddaughter who was born to um, Andrew and Caitlin. Um, when she was born, she had um, low um, oxygen level in her blood, and um, they were very concerned about that. So they hooked her up, took her in ICU, and hooked her up um, to the machine and so on. And um, she was there for over a week, and they had to feed her to um, the tubes and so on. And uh, So we went to prayer, and we asked the saints also to pray, and we want to thank you for your prayers. And um, the doctor didn't want to release her because, of course, um, they weren't sure that um, she would be okay if she'd go home. Um, so... Um, they would keep, kept monitoring her and so on, and they gradually weaned her off the oxygen. It took about a week, you know, by cutting down the levels and so on. And then, um, lastly, they, they took the tubes, the feeding tubes out. But she was just eating like um, 20 cc's of, drinking 20 cc's of milk, and they wanted to get her up to about 60. And they wouldn't let her go home because of that also. So Andrew and Caitlin, they were you know, anxious to, obviously, to, to um, uh, get their baby home, you know, and, and be a family and so on. And um, we were very concerned, but we went to prayer, and Andrew talked to the, the doctor and told him that, um, you know, we'd like to take her home, but they were very concerned that um, they didn't want them to bring them back to the hospital, you know, if, if um, she began losing weight and wouldn't gain weight and so on. So, um, says, as I said, we asked the brethren to pray, and one day um, Andrew talked to the doctor and said, "You know, um, you know, uh, we can take her home, and, and you know, and, and, and she would do just as good as she's doing here because um, she was making um, improvement." So the doctor went; he was in the room. He went out and talked to the nurse, and they came back and expressed to them again their concern about not. Um, um, her not eating enough. So that was like the day before, and we, you know, went into desperation and prayed. And um, the next day, the doctor said, "Okay, you can take her home if um, you can prove to us you can feed her." You know, um, so she was only drinking like 20 cc's, like I said before. So Caitlin that morning went feeding her and um, through a bottle. And they were trying different nipples and things like that, you know, how they do um, to get her to take it, but she wouldn't. But that very morning when the doctors were observing her, when Caitlin was feeding, um, she took 20 cc's, went up to 60 cc's, and 80 cc's of milk while they were observing. And the doctor said, well, you can take her home. So, And she's been doing well ever since, and um, we want to thank God for that. And like I said, it's, it's a big deal, you know, when we've answered prayers and God has shown us his mercy. I think it's a big deal to the saints of God that they give him glory. And that's, that's what I'll publicly thank him for, for his mercies for that. Amen. Amen. He's an on-time God, isn't he? Amen. We've got a special Sister Lily. Uh, she'd be making her way forward at this time. We're going to sing a little song as she comes forward. I stand in all of you. Okay. All right. We'll belay that. Man.
this time we'll ask our pastor to make his way forward. Why don't we all stand to our feet? Amen. Thank you, Beth. You're beautiful beyond description.
you're, you're a God who cares about everything that we could go through, Lord. We thank you, dear God, that you're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit this part of the service into your hands, Lord. It's already good for us to be in the house of the Lord. We can already, already sense your presence, Lord. And Father, we, we thank you for the many gifts and the many things that you give to us. But Lord, your presence is the most important thing. And so we ask now that you would just continue, Lord, to just be present among us, Lord. And I just ask that we would draw strength from you like uh, you talked about Abraham and how he uh, drew strength from you, Lord, from the breasted one. And we ask now, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive us of anything that might be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. I ask that you would just stabilize our minds and our hearts now, that, Lord, we might just focus in on the things that really matter. Lord, there are many, many voices in this world, many things that are trying to get our attention. But there's one voice that's really worth paying attention to. That's the voice of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would give us open ears today and open hearts, Lord. Take complete control, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask and pray. Amen. Sing them one more time. It sounded so nice uh, today when I came in. I stand, I stand in all of you. Let's sing it one more time now. And I stand, I stand in all of you. Yes, I stand, I stand. While you're standing this morning, let's take your Bibles and let's go to James, the first chapter, first of all. Welcome all of you to the house of the Lord today. It's good to have everybody here and so many of you here. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to come together in God's house. Appreciate that testimony, Brother Mark, uh, Evelyn, and uh, we're just delighted. I've been following through and talking with Andrew and Caitlin, and uh, so we're just excited about that. I had it written down in my paper also to give you that testimony. Also as well, uh, Sister Karen, I don't know if Karen and David are here, uh, whether they're here or not. They're, yeah, they're here. Um, their new grandson, uh, Lincoln, uh, is doing better, and uh, he was uh, having a, a difficult time uh, after birth from Caitlin, and uh, he's doing much better, so we're, we're thankful for that. And uh, just ask you to continue to remember him in prayer. Um, we also are glad too, brother, uh, we were praying for our brother Douglas up in Ohio, up in Bluffton, Ohio, who was put in hospital because of the virus. And yesterday he got sent home and he sent out a, a note to us and wanted to thank us for the prayer and, uh, for the prayers and, and the concern that was shown on his behalf. Uh, but this morning also, I need to tell you that, uh, sister Lori and Cockman on the way to church this morning had a tire blowout and uh, went across the road and wrecked her car and so forth. So they're, they're dealing with it right now. Uh, she's okay, and uh, Brother John's going to continue to give me updates there, but it was kind of a, a shock uh, for her, and, and we want to continue to remember her in prayer and uh, just trust that the Lord will undertake for her. It could have been a whole lot worse, uh, Brother John said, so we'll give you any updates that we can uh, today. Let's take our Bibles, let's go to James, the first chapter. We're going to read a verse here this morning. 
Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We're going to talk about marks and seals today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your name, Lord, and we ask your blessing upon the reading of the word now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Everybody said... God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Good to have the Holloways here with us uh, today. God bless you, uh, Brother Mike. And uh, good to have Bob Roy here with us today. God bless you, Bob. Good to see you again. It's Brother Luther's son, Bob, and uh, good to have him here today. Now, uh, I also wanted to pass along greetings from Sister Becky. Uh, she was not uh, just not 100% yet, and uh, we'd ask you to remember her in prayer. She's listening this morning. And... Um, just trust that the Lord will continue to give her that healing touch that she needs and still dealing with the imbalance and, and the vertigo issues. And let me tell you, that's rough. And if you have to travel when you have that going up and down the mountains, it's, uh, it can be pretty rough. So uh, she misses being here this morning. Now, uh, just very briefly, I don't have my clicker here today, so we'll do this the manual way. Uh, in December, December 14th, which is tomorrow, Sister Hannah Whitlock's birthday. They're listening today. And then Sister Kim Ward's birthday on December 16th. God bless you, Sister Kim. Trust that the Lord will richly bless you. Take your Bible, if you will. Good. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Now, I just want to jump right in uh, here this morning. And uh, uh, I need your help on this. And this is going to be uh, a little different. It's going to be a little graphic. Uh, so just hold on to your... Um, Hold on to your Bibles here because we're going to look at a couple of passages here. But I want to preamble just a little bit. And I'll come back to the scripture in James. But in Matthew uh, chapter 6, we want to read uh, this little advice here from Jesus. He said, The light of the body is the eye. And if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now that's not the principal point of this little section here uh, in Jesus' teaching. The principal point is number, number 24, verse number 24. He said, no man can serve two masters. So this is the conclusion from the previous two verses here. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve two things at the same time. Because to really serve or to really commit to something means that you're giving yourself wholeheartedly to that. Well, you can't give yourself wholeheartedly to two different things at the same time, right? It doesn't make sense. So Jesus is saying that you cannot serve two masters. You have to hold to the one, let go of the other. Either way, you, you have to make a decision. You have to decide. And he said in, in this passage here that the light of the body is the eye. And if thine eye be single or versus if your eye is double or your eye be evil. So uh, I, let me just explain that these two, and I didn't, uh, you know, uh, graphically put all of this out on the board here for you, but uh, he says that if thine eye be single, that is the word uh, haplos in the Greek, and it means that uh, there, there is only uh, one light or one thing that you're looking at. 
when it comes to the, the body being full of light. When there's one perspective, when there's one vision, when there's one uh, focus, then the body is full of light. But he says, if thine eye be evil, meaning, the, the Greek word there is duplos, meaning that when you're looking at a number of things all at the same time, the light, in a sense, cancels itself out. Because you can't have one source of light and then a different source of light over here. You can't have that. And as a result, the body is full of darkness. So the way that Jesus is telling us to look at things is to look with a single eye. Okay? And, and look with a, with a focus that centers on, verse 24, God or something else. But you can't look at both and, and be walking in the light. You understand what, what he's saying? So he's saying you've got to make a choice. You've got to look at one thing or the other. But when you look at one thing, make sure you lay aside all the other things because it's only going to cancel out the light you've got. And Jesus is telling us that you can, you can serve one or the other master. You either love one, hate the other. So in other words, uh, he's telling us, and I want to bring this into our, uh, perspective for us, He's telling us that no matter what time you're living in, no matter what age you live in, you should have a singular focus on the thing that God is doing and the thing that God is saying and nothing else. There are other things going on around you, but my focus is not on that. My focus is on what God is doing. All right? So that's the idea that Jesus wants to convey. Now, let me give you a little example here. Uh, from the, uh, the first exodus uh, that we've been talking about a little bit lately. Uh, when the, the children of Israel were traveling through from Egypt to the border of the promised land, uh, they, they saw God do all kinds of miracles for them. Uh, there was manna that came every day. There was water that came from the rock. There was, uh, you know, a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by night. Those things were all true, weren't they? And it was God providing for the people. It was God making provision every day for the people to let them know that he's one they can count on, that he's trustworthy, he loves them, he cares for them, he goes before them, and he knows what they have need of even before they ask. It's almost like God is trying to tell them very loudly and very clearly, you know what, I knew what this journey was going to be like. I knew what you were going to experience. And I've gone ahead and prepared everything you have need of for this journey. Don't worry, just put your trust and confidence in me. Isn't it also true that they never ran into uh, invading armies in that part of the 40 years? They didn't have to uh, go past wall cities. Isn't that right? There was none of that in the wilderness. It was a period, uh, a time where uh, God allowed the children of Israel to rest on him every day, and trust in Him every day, and experience His faithfulness every day, because you know what? That season of learning is going to end one day, and you're going to go into the promised land, and when you get into the promised land, guess what they encountered? Walled cities, armies, they encountered peoples who didn't want to leave their homeland, right? The Perizzites, the Jebusites, the, uh, all, the Hivites, all of those different groups that were there. Now all of a sudden when they got onto a higher level, they got into the promised land, now they had battles to fight. Now they had things that they had to oppose. Now they had uh, contradiction. 
when they got into the promised land. Isn't that true? And God wanted them to remember what they learned in the wilderness, that God is faithful, God will provide, God knew you were going to be there, God knew you were going to face these enemies, God knew you were going to run into Jericho, God knew you were going to run into these armies that were there, God knew all of that, and He has taught you certain things, so that when you get into the place of conflict, you know what? The same God that provided for you here is the same God that's going to help you here. Are we okay? Very simple lesson here. And God didn't want them to forget so that when they got across the River Jordan, they thought, Ah! You know, what are we going to do now? Well, we're going to do what we learned to do for the last 40 years. We're going to trust God. Right? We're going to look to God. We're going to, we're going to believe that God knew we were going to be in this situation and that God's already got the answer. We're going to believe that God's faithful because He's already proved His faithfulness. We're not going to have to go to try to ask God, Lord, are you going to care for us? Are you going to be concerned about us? Are you going to make a way for us? Yes! From the very beginning of the leaving of Egypt, God was making a way for the children of Israel, right? Now, crank that up to our time and believe that I I think we've come into a new season. How many would believe we've kind of come into a new season? And and in this new season, there seems to be a little bit more opposition, more difficulties, more stresses that we uh, that we encounter every day. I mean, 2020 has proven to us uh, that we never really knew what stress was like, right? And we've moved into a new season where the world is changing. And there are things that are going on, things that are going on in Israel, things that are going on in America, things that are going on in the entire world. I think we've kind of turned a corner. I don't know how you feel about it, but I kind of feel like we're turning a corner. We've moved into a new era. Guess what? The same God that got us to here is the same God that's going to help us up here. And in this season where, I mean, essentially for the last 30 years, nothing really very much happened, right? We didn't have much opposition. We didn't, come on folks, we didn't, we didn't really have uh, issues to deal with from the world around us. We just kind of, everybody came to church and we, we built bigger churches and we made fellowship halls and we went around the world and did mission work and all the other things that we did over the last 30 years or so. I think things are changing. And I want to tell you here today, I don't think you have a thing to worry about because the same God who helped us over those years and taught us faithfulness and supplied for us and showed His love for us and gave us good foundations to stand upon, that same God is still the same God that's with us no matter what corners we turn. All right, now that may sound simple and I I don't want to make it complicated, but I think that that's very true and I think that's what's going on. And so therefore, uh, you know, for instance, when you look at, uh, you know, some of the developments in the world, like, uh, you know how that now some of the social media systems out there, they're, they're very quick now to shut down things that they do not, they, whoever they is, they believe is not either accurate or right or appropriate to put out there, so they're quick to shut it down. I, I know some of you, I know people in my family that have been shut down and their their posts have been taken down, or if they reposted something, it's been taken down. Guess what? The devil really hasn't set all of this up just to take down your tweet about something to do with uh, some some medicine out there. They're aiming at things that are being broadcast from places like this. Do you understand that Satan is the god of this evil age? 
And you know what? You have somebody out there, something out there, that is making a decision about what's appropriate and what's not. And I will tell you something, that the message of the hour is not really a very popular thing. In the eyes of the world. To us, it's life and death, right? I mean, we love it. But the world out there, they have a different view of this message than what we do. And if they go back and take statements of Brother Branham or out of, for me, uh, uh, you know, lots of different things. I mean, we're online here. There's lots of things that are said about, uh, you know, homosexual ministers or uh, same-sex marriage or uh, all the other things that are going on, interracial marriage. Hello? Let me tell you something. There are, there are entities out there that may listen to that. And even though we may sit there and say amen, there's people outside who are outraged at things that are being said in the context of this message. And they can easily take it out of context and identify this as something that's worth shutting down because it would be deemed inappropriate. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud. I mean, I hope it doesn't come to that. And I can see the day coming, though. I can see the day coming where we are going to have to come to church in order to hear a sermon. Because we would not be able to have the freedom to broadcast like we want to broadcast. And to be able to have resources out there like we would want to have. I will tell you this. The best thing that you can do is make sure that your eye is single. Have it focused on Christ and the thing that God is doing and the thing that God is saying. Because that's going to be your deliverance from this world. Your deliverance from this world is not to elect another leader that's going to get you there and get, in, get you into a better position. The, the, the way out of this thing is up. Not through, but up. That's the way out of here. And so the only way you're going to do that is to have your body full of light. And the only way to do that is to keep your eye single. And that means that you keep your eye on Christ because you can't serve God and something else. Right? Are we okay? Now, let me go back then and visit something here because uh, this, is, um, uh, this is an interesting thing. And I just, I, I really, uh, I just, uh, I prayed before I came out that, uh, the Lord would keep my spirit under control and that I would say only the right things here and pre- convey uh, the right things here because there's all kinds of uh, frustrations that we all face. So I will tell you that pastors today, in my conversations with them, and pastors today face a great deal of frustration. Uh, in, and I'm not referring to you folks making me frustrated here, but I'm saying that there's lots and lots of frustration out there uh, when it comes to making decisions and knowing which way to go and what information do we rely upon in order to lead the people the best way we can and in order to protect the people the best way we can and give advice and counsel because we're asked a lot of questions and a lot of things uh, about the times we live in. And uh, it, it's, it's paramount for me as a minister and as a channel for you as a shepherd to you uh, to keep my, my mind and my heart focused on the voice of God uh, for this day because that's what's going to do you the best good is to tell you what God is, uh, to, to tell you what I know that God is saying. All of us are capable of hearing the voice of God. All of, I said all of us are capable of hearing the voice of God. Hey, if you're born again and you've been led to the tree of life, you've just proven that you've been able to hear the voice of God in your life, right? You've heard something from God. If God's led you to Himself and led you in the path of salvation and led you in the path of righteousness, you know what? That means you've been able to hear the voice of God. And I will tell you that God wants to continue to speak to you so that you would be continually led in the right direction. And one of the ways that God speaks to us is through this pulpit right here. 
and, and through the, the word of the hour. That's a very important way that God would speak to you. But that doesn't mean that there are not other voices out there. Because the devil is trying to make your body full of darkness, not light. And the way that he does that is to get your mind spread out over more than one thing. And there's all kinds of voices out there. How many can say amen? You carry a whole bunch of them in your pocket or your purse, right? Hello? And so therefore, we've got to be careful that we don't fall into the trap of thinking like the world and acting like the world and responding like the world to all these voices that are out there. Yeah, there are things out there that are profitable for us, obviously, but, uh, you know, there are things out there that are nothing more than just a distraction from the enemy to try to get you thinking the wrong way. All right. <clears throat> Having said that, let's take a couple of statements here just to give you a bit of a preamble. Now, I'm going to admit uh, from the beginning here that I'm not going to finish this because I, I know how, how lengthy this is and I'm not going to do it, so don't worry. On Wednesday night, Lord willing, we're going to have Brother Aaron speak to us because he was supposed to speak in person uh, last time, and then we got uh, sh- we got shut down, so he broadcasted, and so we want to make him real nervous and have him here on Wednesday night. So Brother Aaron has agreed to take the service on Wednesday night. But I, I will tell you that I'm not going to finish this, but let's just see how far we can go. Is that all right? Seal of God, 1954. And in this day now, the Bible predicted there'd be a time when men would receive a mark, a mark of the beast. And every time there's a little something flies up in the country, everybody said, that's the mark of the beast. Anybody heard that lately? I just got, I just got ordained in the Baptist church when I heard about the NRA, and everybody said, that's the mark of the beast. Now, the NRA did a great job of destroying itself. Uh, no one needs to worry about them, that being the mark of the beast because it's, you know, it's on the skids. It began actually in 1878. And the reason that it began was because, uh, during the Civil War, whoever was taking statistics back then figured out, uh, that for every 1,000 shots fired in the Civil War, there was roughly one out of a thousand that hit the mark. And so the officers got together after the Civil War and said, my goodness, we need to train these men how to use weapons. And that's the beginning of the NRA back in 1878. And so when it came out, though, uh, in Brother Branham's time, and then it became more, more of a footing, and there was infringements potentially against the Second Amendment, then all of a sudden it got, it got larger every time. And in Brother Branham's day, he said, uh, they're, uh, they're ascribing that now to the mark of the beast. And, and, and now they say, here comes Russia down. Communism, it's the mark of the beast. He said, but it's a lie. It isn't the mark of the beast. And the Bible tells what the mark of the beast is. I want to I want to reiterate this for you today and make sure you leave with an understanding at least of what it is and what it isn't. Now, on page 121 of the Church Age book, Brother Branham said, The spirit of the Antichrist is not new. He said, This is not something that just came in during the Church Ages. It has been here all along. Right? John, even in the epistle of John, he says that false prophets are gone out into the world. And so the spirit of Antichrist is not anything new. This is a picture of uh, Bruegel's Tower of Babel uh, that he drew many, many years ago. And uh, the, the Tower of Babel, Brother Branham said, was the beginning of, of denominationalism and how it all uh, was, was trying to be pulled out of the will of God into a, a place where men were going to create their own sense of safety and security in the earth after the flood. So the Tower of Babel was built after the flood. 
But now, Brother Branham goes on to say in 1965, and he talks about this from the very early parts of his ministry to the very end. And he wants everybody to be really clear about not only what the mark of the beast is and the seal of God, and that's why I'm talking about marks and seals, but he also wants us to be clear about what it's not. Despite the fact that Brother Branham was very clear, and he was very, very clear about what it's not, all kinds of people still said, well, it's this and it's that and it's something else. We're still hearing things like that. Brother Bram said religion. Now, that's Satan's business, not to kill the whole thing, but just to contaminate it. Satan's job is to contaminate truth. Truth is, is, is the thing that comes from God. Light is the thing that comes from God. Satan does everything he can to fight truth and light. That's all. He ain't going to kill the whole thing. And the reason he's not is because he wants to be worshipped as God. Right? He wants to sit on the throne as God and be worshipped that way. Oh, he said, oh, not communists. No, no, the Antichrist is not communism. The Bible said it would deceive the very elected if it was possible. He said, don't notice the iron curtain or the bamboo curtain. He said, but the purple one, the religious one. Now, uh, again, let me just come through a couple of statements here. He says, now I'm going to tell you what I think the mark of the beast is and what the scripture supports the mark of the beast to be. So I'm giving away the end of the story right here. Okay, so this should have an asterisk on it, uh, but I'm giving you the manual asterisk here today. I'm going to tell you, Brother Branham says, what it is and what the scripture supports it to be. He says, I'm going to tell you what I think supports the seal of God. All right, very simply, in two screens here, we know these two great things are ending up soon in two great grips. The world is gripped by two things right now, the mark of the beast or the seal of God, and some of them places it way over in the future, and some says it's past already. It's already over. But I believe that there's just two answers to it, and that is the seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the mark of the beast is rejecting it. Let's say it again. The mark of the beast is now a mask that people wear because of the virus? No. He says the mark of the beast is rejecting the word of your hour. And the seal of God comes from the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It comes by believing the things that God is doing in your hour. Now that's the only two things. I'm going to give you scripture now as to, as, uh, 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 I'm going to give you scripture why now as we go through. Now one of them, remember, he said all the peoples on earth in the last day are going to either be sealed by the seal of God or marked by the mark of the beast. One or the other. There isn't, there isn't a, you know, a whole bunch of different options here. And neither do you get to opt out. You can't say, well, um, I'll choose later. You don't. The hearing of the gospel, you remember back in the Old Testament, when they hear, heard the gospel, they, they either accepted it, what the jubilee priest sounded out, and, and they were set free, or they rejected that, what the priest said, and their ear was marked. Remember that? It didn't get put off for a whole lot of time. So Brother Bram summarizes the whole thing right here 
And let's go on and see what else is said. All right? Mark of the Beast. This is a sermon called the Mark of the Beast. He also preached on the seal of God. Uh, he says, now see what the Mark of the Beast is. It's the mark of apostasy. It's the person who just thinks, well, I belong to church and I'm good as the next fellow. And you realize where you're, and you realize where your church organization that you're depending on, where it come from. What's behind the whole thing? And the Bible said, he that worships the beast receives his mark or the letter of his name. Now watch, in the forehead or hand. That's knowledge or deed. That don't mean that you have a big tattoo on your face. It don't have to be that. It's not talking of the outward. It's talking of the spiritual. Is everybody okay? It's not talking of the outward. So if I put on a mask, then I put on the mark of the beast. Or if I leave off the mask, then I've not... I mean, it gets silly, really, doesn't it? You ain't seen nothing yet. You want to see silly? I got silly here today. It's amazing, really, how people's minds jump to it. But before you get really arrogant about it, let me tell you something. We'd all be where they are, except that God had elected you to have your eye single and your body full of light. That is not because you're smarter and you got it figured out. That's not because you got some sort of a private channel on YouTube and you've got access to better information. Let me tell you, it doesn't come by that. It comes by the revelation of Jesus Christ. It comes through a new birth. It comes through that encounter with God that I always talk about. And let me tell you something. If it was not for the grace of God that has brought us into the light of this hour, we'd be where everyone else is. You'd be wondering where the end of this is. You'd be wondering where it's all going to wind up. You'd be wondering, uh, you know, what's best, what's right, what's true, what's an absolute, what's not. Who can we believe? Who can we trust? Thank God for us, those questions are already answered. Those questions are already answered. And the God who brought us to here is the God who's going to bring us all the rest of the way. The God who's brought you from the conversion out of your sinfulness is the God who's going to bring you to the change of your body and usher you into the marriage supper and find you uh, uh, the seat that belongs to you from before the foundation of the world. I have every confidence that that's going to happen. I have every confidence that that's going to be true and it's going to happen. When you go back and you begin to look, as a matter of fact, I would encourage you not to look for anything that I'm going to preach about today or show you. Okay? Don't go looking for it. I will do, I, I've done the looking for you. I've done the filtering for you. Please, don't go looking for anything that I'm going to tell you today. Even if you're curious, if you're curious, uh, text me or, or call me or something, all right? But don't go looking for anything. If you type in the word 666, you'll have 554 million hits there, which are people's opinions about what 666 really means. You will also find, if you type in Mark of the Beast, you'll find 210 million answers. And if you type in Mark of the Beast with a chip, you'll find 12.8 million answers for the questions that you're asking. Please don't go to where I went to find what I'm going to show you. History will tell you that, uh, matter of fact, I saw a little snippet of a documentary that was done by National Geographic and had some very famous people uh, narrating the, the National Geographic, proving with scholars from around the world, beyond the shadow of a doubt, this was the subject of a whole documentary by National Geographic, that Nero was indeed the Antichrist. You will find equally so that there are 
uh, legitimate, in their view, legitimate historical precedent for Alexander the Great uh, being the Antichrist, that Hitler certainly was one, and Napoleon falls into that category of being one as well. Of course, there's always the theory about the pretty woman, which is a stretch that we gotta we gotta somehow worry about Russia or Putin here himself to be uh, the Antichrist, and of course the tech people we don't want to leave them out. But Big Blue is also considered to be the Antichrist and runs out of Belgium, out of the European Council. And so there's all kinds of theories and ideas, and they're all still out there. Uh, let me tell you, it it gets it gets pretty hairy. Now, for the people that uh, think that that's kind of they know they know that that's not true is the RFID clan. And if you notice the details on this slide here, that in June 6th, there was a group called the Prophecy Club 2014. The Prophecy Club put this out on their website saying that every American will receive a microchip implant by 2017 because of Obamacare. And, and they, they strongly discouraged the passage of Obamacare. And they were quoting from NBC. And if you read the details down here, that NBC said that this is going, they reported apparently that this was going to happen, that when you finally signed up for Obamacare, you would go and get a microchip, put in your hand on the back here, and then uh, when you went in for medical care, you would scan your hand, and then they knew exactly who this was that was there. But all of this is going to happen by 2017. Brother Branham, speaking on the mark of the beast, don't you believe that they'll tattoo a number in your head or tattoo something on your hand? How many would like to know what he said? No, sir. Don't never look for that. It'll be a boycott, certainly. No man can buy or sell unless he belongs to the Confederation of Churches. That's true. That'll come like a union, unionizing the thing and bringing it down. Unionize religion. Mark my word, it ain't far off, and you'll see it just around the corner. There are things today that you should be watching for, but this is not one of them. Because I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. Neither are you going to have to worry about the fact that people are claiming there's no coins left anymore, and that's a sign of a global crisis and all the rest of it. Don't think that's going to be it either. I thought this was interesting that somebody interpreted the Star of David as six lines, six point six triangles, and therefore it had to be the mark of the beast. And that's a barcode. Could be worse. You could be the people who own Hobby Lobby. And sorry, because I know there are some associations with Hobby Lobby here. But I, I gave up shopping there. Do you want to know why I gave up shopping there? And my wife still does, because there's some things that she likes to get there. But I gave it up. You know why I gave it up? Well, no one wants to know. All right, let's move on. Does anybody want to know why I gave it up? Because of the owner's wife. I just can't handle her. And their theory is, is that when, when you buy something there, every single thing has a barcode on the back of it, but they don't use those barcodes because they believe that's the mark of the beast. So they scan things manually. They put in prices. They have price tags on there. And Hobby Lobby, the, the wife of the owner, feels like that barcodes, the scanning things, are literally the inception of the World Council of Churches and the buying and selling system. And so, hey, you, you, think, I'm, you think I'm off a little? I may be. But you go ask them. 
and see what they say. I've read letters from her. All right. Now, I don't know where this came from, but at the beginning of all of this implant stuff was Walmart. Now, I'm a member of the First Church of Walmart, like most of you, and I, I thought, wow, but this RFID technology is not anything new at all, uh, but this apparently was the way that Walmart was going to streamline shopping, and so this became a big deal after a while. Thank God for a prophet. How many would say, thank, say it with me, thank God for a prophet? Because yeah, like I say, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for what God did in your life, you would be where everyone else is. You'd be subject to all kinds of theories out there as well. Now, here's Brother Bannum in the Seal of God, 1954. He said, and it's, I thought it was interesting that you go right back to the beginning of Brother Bannum's ministry, he's talking about this. Because there always have been theories. There always are going to be theories, right? There's always going to be ideas. And if Brother Bannum was here, he'd be probably on the same topic again. As a matter of fact, I found where Brother Bannum talked about the, the teaching on the book of Revelation. And I, I, I got a couple of statements here from the Revelation series. And he said, some of you old-timers remember when we got into the book of Revelation because it was so fascinating to him being a prophet. And there were so many symbols and things locked up in symbol form in the book of Revelation. He said, you, you old-timers remember, we took two years on the book of Revelation. Never talked about anything else over two years. Because he was just so fascinated by uh, the symbolism and the interpretation of those symbols. And, and Brother Bam said it wasn't written for everybody. He said it's written for a special class of people. And he said there are those people are connected to the prophetic. And I, I think I have that statement for you here later on. But I, I just want you to settle this in your own mind. You young people, look at this quote here. All right, This has got an asterisk for you on here. But look at this so you're settled in your own heart. The marks, the seal of God and, and the mark of the beast are spiritual marks. Now, will there be a physical outworking of this? Yes, there will be, according to Revelation 18, and the buying and selling and so forth and all of that. Hey, we're already seeing the beginnings of that, right, in the earth. But uh, let me tell you, uh, a lot of that's not connected to the real origin of the mark of the beast, all right? So Brother Manum says both marks are spiritual. It'll prove it to you by the Bible. I'll prove it to you by the Bible. Both marks are spiritual marks. And a lot of people thought, that when, I, when, when he says that, and what I just commented on was that uh, you're not going to uh, do something physical, uh, like hoard coins, and that, be, that result in the mark of the beast. Okay? Or if you take a vaccine or not, then that's going to be the mark of the beast for you. You understand? That's what he's telling us. It's not going to come that way. These are not physical practices that cause the mark of the beast or the seal of God. Are we okay? We've got to be okay now before we move on here. These are spiritual forces that are at work. These are spiritual things. Okay? So he says, there, a lot of people, will, will they thought, well, they're going to go around and tattoo something on your forehead and tattoo something in your hand. We found out last night that's a lie, that's wrong. It's a spiritual mark. It's just hid. Stop. You remember when... Cain killed Abel, and God put a mark on him. And, and Cain said, hey, hey, if you put a, leave the mark on me, he says, uh, you know what, everybody's going to know that I'm Cain's killer, and so therefore they're going to kill me. And so God hid the mark, and Cain went on his way. And he slipped into society, and he was unnoticed. You know what that tells me? That somebody could have the mark of the beast or the seal of God and not be noticed by your natural eye. Because they're not going to go, whoa, whoa, he's got the seal of God and his wife doesn't. 
Wow. How do you get along? <laughs> That's not the way it's going to be. Okay, so the physical eye is not going to look at this and say, wow, he's got it, she doesn't. It's a spiritual mark. He said, it's just so hid, and I know this may be ruffling a lot of feathers, it seems hard, I don't mean to be rude, I'm just trying to say facts with all my heart. So there's a prophet trying to straighten it out. Imagine if you were going to witness to somebody and you had a book you wanted to give it and say, hey, friend, I'd like to, oh, wow, I didn't notice the mark of the beast, okay, forget you. Hey, how about you, let's see your mark before I give, give away the book, I don't want to waste the book. Imagine how, how, what that would be like. Good thing I can't see it, fellas. All right, so let's just get a little bit more serious. Is that all right? This is my driver's license. Would anything pertinent filter it out? Is the real ID a precursor to the end-time world dictator known in Bible prophecy as the Antichrist? I've got to tell you, I took this out of a newspaper. Some people here might recognize where this newspaper is from. A Randolph County school teacher is convinced that there is an eventual link and wants West Virginia lawmakers to grant anyone with a religious conviction an exemption from the real ID license that employs biometrics. And this is what was presented before the Senate Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. This is on this level. If we as Christians comply with the Real ID Act, we would be enrolled into a global system of identification that directly links our body through biometrics to our ability to buy or sell. Wow. I got a real ID. I've got, this is mine. This is a real ID. I'm not worried about whether this is the mark of the beast or not. It ain't. Are we okay? I'm amazed that people uh, would, would get caught up in this. I'm, I'm, I'm just amazed that people would be so focused on this. And yes, the driver's license has all kinds of biometric information on it. It's really neat. If you look at it in the sunshine and angle it, you can see all the biometric, all the stuff that's going on in there. That's not near as much as what's in my passport. I have an American passport, bless God. I have an American passport, and it's full with all kinds of uh, gears and gizmos in there that uh, are biometric stuff uh, that go on there. I'll tell you what, that proves that I'm a citizen of this country. I've got something else that proves that I'm a citizen of another country, of another kingdom. I'm not worried about uh, what's in my passport. Are we okay? Can I go a little further? This next article was in the Washington Post. Now, hold on before you read it. In our area where I live, very, uh, very close to where I live, just a couple of miles from where I live, there was a daycare center and a preschool. There's 93 children. Don't read it. Everyone close your eyes. There were 93 children in there from 10 months old to 13 years old. And the pastor of this school and preschool and daycare center, uh, they, they believed that the virus was a hoax, it was absolutely false and so forth, and that's not my point. Um, and so he forbid everybody who was there to wear any kind of mask or take any kind of steps to protection. Well, the virus got in there. 
And the people who were serving the food and handling the infants all were tested positive. And as a result of that, they were told, even forbidden then, uh, to miss work and to also have any kind of protection at all when they're handling the other kids that were there. So the state stepped in, the state of Virginia stepped in and said, the only thing we can do here is to rescind your food-serving license. That's all. That's the only thing we can take away from you, to send the message to you that maybe your conduct is a little bit dangerous. Maybe it is. And so they took away their food-serving license. Didn't shut them down. They're still open. And took away their food-serving license. As a result of that, the fellow who's in charge wrote a letter. I read the letter. You read the letter? Uh, I read the letter, and it was two pages long, and he was ranting on here. And part of that letter got to the Washington Post. And so now you can read with me. He said, because we have, we as an institution, have refused to adopt state-mandated guidelines, we have had our license to do business rescinded. Stop. That's not true. The only thing that was rescinded was his right to serve food in that facility. That's all. And I read the statement by the governor who said, if they would only just take some precautions, we'd give them back their license. That's not an issue. We don't want to close them down. We just want to have them be a little bit more caution, cautious. That's all. So they were not forced to shut down. Phillips wrote in a letter provided to the Post by a parent. Now, here's the point I want to get to. If you are not already aware, is what the pastor wrote, the entire COVID pandemic has been a hoax to establish The Antichrist kingdom on earth. That's what he was preaching to his people. That's what he was telling the the parents who were complaining. That's what he was telling his employees that all of this, and eventually he wrote this letter to the state and to the governor and uh, wanted to, uh, you know, send this message back to them that all of this is really uh, a means to establish the Antichrist kingdom on earth. Wow. Wow. Seal of the Antichrist. Here's Brother Branham. I was listening to a radio broadcast in my country here a little uh, lot long ago, and a man said, won't be long until people's going to get a great tattooing machine. And they're going to tattoo it across the forehead of a man and a picture of the beast. Uh, the picture of the beast. And they're going to mark it on his hand there and the mark of the beast, and all that receives that mark will be doomed forever. And here not long ago when the NRA came out in my country, I suppose it was in this too, and, and in my country they said that all the religious people began to say, that's the mark of the beast, don't receive it, that's horrible. Whoever joins the NRA uh, and so forth, we found out that that wasn't so. So there's got to be some basic truth. And it's got to come then from thus saith the Lord. How many would agree? If it's a Bible question, it's got to have a Bible answer, right? And many people has placed it way over into a day that's yet to come. So God's going to hand out uh, the seal of God, and Satan's going to hand out the mark of the beast. And he said, some people say that. And some people place it in this day. But for myself, I believe that it began at the same time the Holy Spirit fell. Which is the day of Pentecost, right? That's when it actually began. Because that's when people could believe. And that's when people could reject the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, right? Back in that day. So he says, to my opinion, he said, that's when it began back there. Here's a, a book that was written, uh, and this is a, a well-known book that circulates, The Mark of the Beast is Coming. So they're still saying that. What Brother Branham said years ago, they're still saying that it's coming. 
Somebody said, now there's going to be a mark of the beast going to come someday. Let me tell you, it's already come. And as soon as the Holy Ghost began to fail, the mark of the beast began to take place. So in the beginning from the day of Pentecost, you could accept or you could reject, and that marked you back in that day. Not a physical mark, but it marked you back in that day. And when the trumpet sounded, all wanted to go free, could go free, and them that didn't was marked. Now back then in the Old Testament, it was a physical mark. They had their ear bored and so forth. And the people who went free, they went on their way. And Brother Branham is saying that that is a type or a parallel to what happens in our time when it comes to this idea, the mark of the beast and the seal of God. And he said, as soon as the Holy Ghost began, the mark of the beast began to take place. Wow. So this is not an end time phenomenon. This is not something that's going to happen. It is happening. It has been happening. Over all of these years. When Martin Luther came out and said what he said and presented what he did and nailed the thesis to the door and made the statements he did about justification and brought the people back to the truth of the scripture about justification. Let me tell you, people back in that day made a decision, didn't they? And there were some people that believed it and accepted it. And let me tell you, in the eyes of God, because you've got to remember that God's watching this differently than how we watch it. Right? God's watching things differently than how the world watches it. And God looks at His Word. He looks at His elected plan that He has from before the foundation of the world. And the blood follows the predestinated all the way down through. And He sees when you accept that Word of of your day. He sees when you accept the, the sacrifice that Christ made. He sees when you accept truth as truth because it simply came from God. And it did not come out of some system. And it didn't come out of some organization or whatever else. But it just comes from God's Word itself. It projects from God's Word itself. And God put something in you to receive that word and you're sitting there saying that ain't nothing but the truth I may not be able to figure it out and I may not be able to piece it all together and I may not be able to understand all of it but somehow or another on the inside I believe it with all my heart and God says that's a man to mark right there but you know what he knew that from before the foundation of the world and there's other people who look at that and say you know what I can I can disregard that message that they talk about. I can disregard the message of Martin Luther. I can disregard all of that. Well, our church has been around a long, long time, and we've got a lot of money. We've got a lot of power. We have a lot of this. We have a lot of buildings. We have uh, all kinds of influence. We have lobbyists in Washington. And so, therefore, I'm going to side with this majority. Well, in this case, the majority is probably not the group to side with. But somehow or another, in the elect, God places something in there that's able to wade through all of that and allow you to be able to have the courage to stand and say, somehow or another, I know that God's Word is right, and here I stand. May God have mercy on me. And if you heard that, and you stood on that, then let me tell you, you've just proven that you're capable of hearing the voice of God. And when you hear the voice of God and you stay focused on that, your body is full of light. And that's why we are walking in the direction that we're walking in. That's why we are not afraid of the future and what it holds. Come on, somebody say amen. We're not afraid of the future and what it holds. We're not afraid of what men can bring. We're not afraid of what, uh, you know, powers can do in this world because we serve a God who is a higher power than any power that's on this earth here. And we believe that the God that brought us this far is the God that's going to take us the last treacherous part of the way that's full of ups and downs and all kinds of obstacles that are there. And in every way, Satan's working overtime to try to hinder the progress of the of the bride of Jesus Christ. But I say this, we serve a God who's bigger, better, and stronger, and more powerful than the God of this evil age. 
And I'm here today just to remind you that you need to be reminded of that every day. Because it's no good for you to listen to the other stuff six days a week and be worried to death and then come to church and sit here and say, Amen. Let me tell you, this message, these promises, these truths have to be our life's cry. They have to be our passion. They have to be the center of how we think and how we act and how we react to the things that go on in this world. Because I have news for you, it's probably going to get worse. Matter of fact, if you want something to think about, something to keep your eye on besides China and Israel, you ought to think about this. The inclusive... The, inclus- the Council for Inclusivity in Capitalism, which is sponsored by and hosted by the Vatican. And I don't know if you, it'd be worth, this is the one thing in this whole sermon that you're welcome to go back and look up. And if you need a little video, uh, you can see Brother Tom, he sent me one, and I'll be glad to forward it on to you. I don't normally forward uh, videos from the internet, but if you wanted to have more information, it's very easy to find. It is the moral, it is a group that represents 200 uh, different entities and nations. Uh, for instance, like uh, uh, Bank, Bank of America is a part of it, and huge, absolutely huge, powerful, and wealthy organizations in the world that have been influenced by Rome with this mission, that the moral imperative to take action to build more inclusive economies and societies speaks to all faiths and to our common good. That is exactly what Brother Branham said would happen. That unity would come on the basis of doing something good. And so therefore the premise is, is that if there is wealth in a nation or wealth in a corporation or wealth in one entity, then everybody in that nation deserves to share that wealth and enjoy the benefits of that wealth. And so we're making all things more level, and we're making things better for the common good. doesn't matter what your faith is. doesn't matter what your persuasion is. doesn't matter what your station in life is. The idea is, and this is a very Jesuit idea, that, that the benefits of society should be spread evenly within that society for the common good. And the Council for Inclusive Capitalism is working to transform. Let me, let me say it again. This council is working to transform our economies and our society. There is something at work to change our society into a kingdom that the Antichrist will own. It is a mimic. It is an impersonation of the kingdom of God. It is built upon a premise that sounds really good. It'll give you a fuzzy, warm feeling if you think about this. Or you go back and listen to the intro videos that uh, are are made now about this. And, you know, the Pope of Rome holding hands with everybody and all these nation states and all these huge corporations that are there and are buying into this idea that it's a great idea because it's going to make everybody one. It's going to make everybody equal. We're not going to fund, you know, so much military activity. We're going to fund uh, peaceful initiatives like having people learn how to farm and how to, uh, you know, grow food for everybody and all of these other things there that make everybody feel fuzzy and warm and good. And that's the whole idea. That's the projection. But that's exactly what Brother Branham said would happen. There are things happening in the world that are fulfilling prophecy, but I will guarantee you that there are things out there that are meant only to distract you and to keep you focused on wrong things. 
Brother Branham said. Now, the seal of God is the Holy Spirit. Revelation 9, 1 to 4, and you'll find that they had all had the seal in their forehead. 1 Corinthians 1, Ephesians 4, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed until their day of redemption. That angel that came forth sealing upon their forehead. Now, that doesn't mean that he takes and puts a spot up there. Your forehead is your revelation, and your hand is the thing you do about it. It's a spiritual mark. Say it with me. It's a spiritual mark. And he does, he he don't take a big stamp and stamp you like that. Don't look for that. Don't look for that. The mark of the beast is already. The seal of God is already. That's what he's saying here. You don't look for that to come, but this whole process is already in motion here. It's a spiritual mark. So you know what you want to have? Is you want to have your body full of light. You want to have the spiritual revelation uh, that, uh, that you have the awareness that, you know what, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. And nothing, nothing, and nobody can take that away from me. I'm a child of God. How many children of God do we have here today? I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God. And nothing can alter that. That was the choosing of God and and the conviction of my heart. And you know what? I'm a son of God. And no circumstance and nothing in the world is going to alter that whatsoever. And you know what? I live that every day. I believe that. I went I went. I got baptized in in the pool and, uh, you know, uh, repented of my sins. And, uh, you know, I put my hands around the cross of Calvary and, and believe that Jesus Christ atoned for my sins. And I'm a son of God. I'm a member of the bride of Christ and I'm on my way to glory and I've got a place in heaven reserved for me. I believe that with all my heart. You know what? You're sounding more like somebody who's got the seal of God all the time. Not somebody who says, well, you know, I mean, I don't know if Brother Branham was a prophet because we don't know how many people fell off that bridge. The problem is that Brother Rand went and said all those things before Google was invented. The Bible said it began back there and about run out now. Back there being the day of Pentecost. Now, how was the first seal and what did it look like? How was the first seal and how did it look like? He said they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's right. And their works was the works of Christ. And they laid hands on the sick and they recovered. And they done all kinds of signs and miracles and wonders. And in their forehead was sealed by the revelation that he was the Son of God and they were working with him. There's the mark. Is everybody clear? I mean, we, we need to be clear here, leaving. He's going back to the early church and describing how that when it began, here's, here's the way it looked back then. He said, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they went out and they acted on that, because you know what? There was a higher power now in them. It was greater was he that was in them than he that was in the world. And Paul said, it's not me that lives now, but Christ that lives in me. So that's why Paul could go up to a city and preach in their synagogue, and the people could turn on him, and they could beat him up and throw him outside at a gate for dead. And he'd get back up and go back into the temple again and preach again to them. You know why? Because it was not Paul, but it was a higher power that was operating in Paul. And what he did was the mark on his hand to prove that he had what he needed in his forehead, which was the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I believe that he's alive. He was our Messiah. And I am his messenger for this day. 
You know what? You know what this comes down to? It comes down to you now. Because there ain't no Paul's left. And there ain't no Brother Branham's left. And there ain't nobody, there ain't no Martin Luther's left. You know who's left? You and me. That's who's left. That's who's left to carry this revelation into, into nests of unbelievers and, uh, you know, to print books and send them everywhere. Uh, do whatever we can to be a witness of this truth in the last day. Because we are, we are the children of God. That God's reserved for this last day. Do we have our enemies? Yes, we have our enemies. I have a stalker. Probably shouldn't say this. But I have a stalker. Somebody who's probably listening today because they've listened to bits and pieces and snippets of many sermons. And they've focused on something that they think is something I've said wrong. Put it on YouTube. And created YouTube videos about me there. And demanding that I repent. And anything that I say about repentance is usually clipped and sent back to me in an email. I have this, go, this goes on. I have a feeling I know who it is. There are people who, in whatever way they possibly could, would try to intimidate, try to shut things down, uh, try to divert somebody, and try to get somebody to operate out of fear. Let me tell you, I have no fear. I have no fear. And that's why I have no fear about what God has said. I, I, ha, I have no fear at all about what, what I'm quoting to you today. And that's why I put the messages on here and the portions of it and the scripture on here, as I want you to see where this stuff is coming from. And I don't want you to think that this is just my opinion or my, uh, my own uh, intellectual thinking about things and so forth. My intellectual thinking is really quite small, by the way, and it really doesn't matter. Just like all of our intellectual thinking really doesn't matter. Because as the children of God, what really matters to us is what God has said in this last day. And that's what we're really focused on. So if somebody wants to stalk me, I just pray that uh, if you continue to do it, that God will finally deal with your heart and convict you and convert you. And I should say that to the camera because they're probably listening at the moment here. I'm not afraid of being stalked. I'm not afraid of what I say here. But I will tell you something, that's why I say that, uh, you know, in some ways, these things, these things like the internet and social media and all of that, they can be a blessing and they can be a help to people. But in other ways, they are nothing short of a curse and cause bundles of trouble. The work that Brother Aaron and I have been able to do and other missionaries have been able to do around the world and channeling funds and, you know, getting money moving and get books and Bibles into the hands of believers. Let me tell you, that's fantastic. It's fantastic how fast and how efficiently stuff like that happens. It is mind-boggling how fast and efficient that can be. But then somebody can get on there and stalk a pastor, and clip snippets out of my sermons here, and put them on YouTube and say that this is false, and this is false, and this is wrong. And use it perhaps to influence people. say it doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. It does. It is. But so, I, I just say that to say this to you and I, to all of us that are here and all of us that believe you are here for a purpose greater than just to fill a pew today. You're here 
for a purpose that God has designed in this last day. And I believe that for a season, God has taught us and God has given us a good foundation and God has given us good, uh, a good upbringing in a sense. But I believe that we're turning a corner and I believe that things are moving in different directions now than uh, what they were before. And I believe that you should be the people who are convinced that the God who brought us all the way through the ages and followed His elect all the way through right down to our time, that's the same God that's going to see us through all the way right into the very rapture itself and take us out of here. You've got to believe that. And there's nothing that suggests that your believing won't come at a cost. There's nothing to suggest that your believing won't come at a cost. It probably will. But you know what? For us, fear is not the factor that motivates us. Fear is not the, fa- fear is not the reason that we think about things or make decisions. We make, things, we make decisions on the basis of faith, right? We make this, come on, we make decisions on the basis of faith. We know what God says, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing what, uh, the, the word of the hour and the, the truth that God has given to us. And it reinforces who we really are, what our true identity is. And so therefore, we're not afraid of making a misstep here or a misstep here and you know, winding up at the mark of the beast. Let me tell you, as a believer, you've already been marked. I said, as a believer, you've already been marked. And if you're not a believer, we'll peel away the plastic and fill that pool over there and baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today if we need to do that. Or Wednesday, we'll be glad to do it. We still have water in the sanctuary. We'd be glad to do it if you want to surrender your life to Christ. But I will tell you, that's the thing that's going to hold you in the end. That's the thing that's going to fortify you in the end. Because everything that can be shaken loose and everything that can be broken loose will break loose before this is all over. Believe the sign was our first virus that struck. Believe the sign shook out things in people we never imagined would be shaken out. Some of them are still falling. But I will tell you, that's not where Satan stopped. We still have things going on one after the other that shake people out and bring out things that we never thought were possible. Not him, not her, but yet, you know, I will tell you something, that's probably not going to decrease. That's probably not going to go away. Not that we rejoice in that or not that we glory in that, but I will tell you this, and I'm here to tell you that we need to be encouraged about what is truth and what's not. And we need to hang on to what's truth. And you need to be reinforced in the fact, like Paul was right here, that, you know, these folks in the early church here, they never had the teaching and the perspective of 2,000 years and the doctrines and a prophet that came in the last day and wound it all together. They had Paul introducing that Jehovah of the old was Jesus of the new. But here they are on the day of Pentecost, while Paul is still an enemy of the church. As a matter of fact, he's headed a committee to persecute the church. Right? And here they are acting as sons and daughters of God with the seal of God because they get the Holy Ghost and they go right out and they lay hands on the sick and the man at the gate beautiful is spoken to and he's on his feet walking around rejoicing here and there's all kinds of things that are happening there because God is with them. And what have they got? they got a revelation in their head that they are the children of God and they're sealed by the Holy Spirit and they are sons and daughters of God and they were working with Him. In other words, they were God's hands to lay hands on the sick. They were God's hands to to operate in the shadow of Peter when he walked past these people who were sick on the side of the road. That was God in them who was working and it was their hands. There, he said, there's the seal of God. 
Our job today is to walk with Him, not away from Him. We know which kingdom we're walking towards, not the kingdom that the Vatican is promoting. We're walking towards a kingdom. And let me tell you something. If there's going to be anything that's going to cause a shutdown for buying and selling, that probably is going to happen much more than your real ID on your driver's license. Because that whole system is run by the economies of the world that are very powerful and want to make things as difficult as possible for people who object. Let me give you a little statement here that is taken directly from... um, Excuse me, let me just find it here. This is taken from markbeast.com. Don't go there. You have the one thing you're able to look up. Don't go here. Here's the question on this website. What is the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast will be coming soon. The mark of the beast is a combination of letters and symbols that will be physically and permanently placed on your forehead or your right hand. Everybody say, thank God for a prophet. Because if it was not for a prophet, folks, you'd be subject to all of this just like everybody else. Most people will consider it an honor to receive the mark. It'll be like a key for them that opens the door of acceptance, prosperity, and peace. And there will be 666 different ways to get the mark. There will be severe penalties by refusing the mark and great rewards for getting it. The mark of the beast is an outward physical symbol showing that the wearer has chosen to worship the beast and receive him as God. I'm glad we've had a prophet. Because there are people categorically saying something different than what he's saying. You know what? The choice is yours. And I would say this, that you cannot serve two things at the same time. If you are, your body's full of darkness. Because the light cancels each other out, right? I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. The light cancels each other out. You've got to be sold out to one or the other. You've got to get in or get out. Right? It's either, it's either we're in or we're out, one or the other. It's on. Hey, the end, the end of things is on. I don't know if you noticed or not, but it's here. And, and, and I, I don't know about you, but I want my body to be full of light. I don't want my body to be full of Facebook or whatever else. And I just, I'm just using that. You, you understand what I'm saying when I, when I do that, right? I gotta, I, like I said in the beginning, I prayed that God would check my spirit because, uh, I talk to a lot of pastors and a lot of a lot of ministers, and you know you, you'll realize that a lot of people are a lot of people who have been taught for years in message churches that the word is our absolute. Have all of a sudden they they're just all ca- caught up in all kinds of other absolutes. So that there's six or seven or at least eight eight absolutes is an oxymoron, folks. Two absolutes is an oxymoron, right? I believe both absolutes. All right, so I probably grieved enough of you by now. So let me just let me just end this right here and say this to you. I say this with all sincerity. I found this statement. This is 1965. This is December of 1965. Brother Bram's not going to live another month here. So his last statements to us, some of his very last statements to us are this. Come back into the Word of God and get lined up. We must be Christian soldiers... And get our orders from 
Washington, get our orders from the Bible for this hour now. You want to have your marching orders now? Here's where to find them. You want to have your direction? You want to have the, the right vision? Here's where you get it. You get it from the Scripture. Not the charge yesterday, but the charge today. The way we go. This was, you can see obviously that if Joshua had adopted Moses' uh, strategy of waiting for God to divide the city of Jericho into two and let it fall down, like God divided the Red Sea for Moses, then it obviously would not have happened, right? It would not have happened. Stay, stay with me. It would not have happened in the days of Joshua. Joshua had marching orders for his day that were different than any other day. Nobody else had defeated a city like Jericho with trumpets. Nobody. And yet Joshua got his orders for this day, and it was not to charge for another day. And these modern events are slipping by us too swiftly, and one day we're going to find out we'll be left behind and be caught, sealed into the mark of the beast before we know it. So to me, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like this is really good advice. I feel like this is really good, that we want to get in line and we want to stay in line. And if your life is not in line with the Word of God, then today is a great day for you to get in line with the Word of God. And if, you're, if your heart is somewhere else, if your heart is divided into two things, then I, I would encourage you to make a decision, to make a choice about one or the other, and, and, and believe God, or I, I, w- I would tell you to get as far away as you can from it. Because being a hypocrite about it is not going to help you at all. In the eyes of God. But I would encourage everybody, as a, as a pastor and a minister and a Christian, I would encourage anybody to give their heart completely to Christ and have their eye single. And when your eye is single, your body is full of light. I would encourage any one of you to believe that, uh, you know, that, that God is, uh, that, that God is actually in control and, and, and that all of these things out there in the world, many of them are just meant to force people into a system that God has never ordained for this earth. Never ordained for this earth. I believe that He'll come back and He'll establish His kingdom on this earth the way that it's meant to be. But it isn't the way it's supposed to be now. And it isn't going to be, uh, it isn't going to become that by force or fear. That's not the way God's going to do it. I said that the, the kingdom of God is not going to be established in this earth by force or fear. It's established in your heart by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? But it'll be established when He comes back on this earth and stands on it again and makes this earth a place like it was in the beginning when He created it for Adam and Eve where He could have harmony and fellowship and peace and no war and no bloodshed and no strife and no diseases and no divorce and none of that. All of that will be eliminated then because the tempter, the author of all of that, will be, will be sent to the lake of fire, which is what the lake of fire was made for. It wasn't made for us. It was made... For the devil and his angels. How many can say amen? That's what the Bible says. And, and eventually, they'll all wind up there. But I will tell you, God's people will be in this kingdom. And it will not be established or built on this earth by fear or force. Or by the Vatican forcing some sort of a, uh, you know, a monopolized idea of capitalism on everybody. It will not come that way. And I thank God for the grace of God that gets us there. But I thank God for the grace of God that allows us to see where we are and where we're going. I thank God for the grace of God that brought us into the light of the hour.
and warns us to keep our eyes single so that our body is not full of darkness, but rather full of light. I'm thankful for people who believe. I'm thankful for people who trust in God, because my work would be for naught if people didn't trust in God. My efforts and, you know, the efforts of every other pastor and preacher in the world would be for naught if we didn't have people who received it and believed it and went home and said, that ain't nothing but the truth. Will we have opposition? Yes. Will we, will we be stalked? Yes. Will we be, um, you know, probably pressured in the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the forces around us pressuring us to do this or that or the other thing? Hey, listen, uh, th- there may come a time when we not, may not be able to get together and have, uh, you know, meetings like this. I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I hope, if, if that's the case, I hope that's short-lived. Because I enjoy our getting together. I enjoy our, our, our fellowship and, and, the, and the encouragement it is to be able to see one another. And Sister Becky told me today, she said, you know, it's, 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 you know she's just not, not feeling real good, but she said, I just miss everybody so much. I miss seeing everybody and, and just being around because we're, we're like family. We, we don't want to be away from each other too long. And, and it's just a good thing for us to be together. And there is strength and there's, there's a bond and there's fellowship and there's power within the church. The church has a power. The church has authority. The church has uh, a voice. And I believe all those things are very important for us. So I don't want to see it shut down. But I know this, that there's no external force can take away what God's done internally in me. I said there's no external power on earth that's strong enough to take away what God's done eternally inside of me. And so no matter, no matter what we face in the days that lay ahead, no matter what comes and how people try to impose things on us or interpret things, I, I mean, I have no idea. And I, I'm not trying to be a prophet of gloom here. I, I'm just, Brother Branham said that I know that when I say these things, he said, I'm probably going to ruffle feathers, but I'm bound to tell you the truth anyway. But, you know, when you look back years ago and think what people thought, the NRA was, a, uh, was you know, the mark of the beast. And, and, and you know, I mean, it, and it, it, it's almost comical, right, to look at that. But you realize that as comical as it was, it never stopped. We still have it. We still have all kinds of ideas and all kinds of authorities and all kinds of ideas out there about what is true and what's not. But by now, by now, God... I believe, has brought us through a school that teaches us our fallback is always the Word of God. Our absolute is singular, not plural. Our absolute is singular, not plural. And God's Word is right. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians slip up here if you don't mind. Marks and seals. Very important to God. They're very important to, to God's people. We're thankful that God watches over His own. We're thankful that God watched over Sister Lorian this morning. She just communicated with us and, and uh, she, she said, and her dad said, could have been a lot worse, could have been a whole lot more disastrous, but uh, by God's grace she walked away from that whole, uh, whole thing over there. I, I, let, let, me, let me encourage you to leave here not afraid of what lays ahead, but with an expectation in your heart about what lays ahead. And, and you should, we should be praying. I think we should pray regularly. Lord, give me the wisdom to face the day. Give me the wisdom to make the right decisions and choices here. Give me the, give me the insight that is above the natural viewpoint of this world. 
Give me a wisdom that comes from the mind of God. And I think it would be a good thing for you to take your Bible out and read it every day. Because Brother Bram said that's the thing that resets the people of God and gives direction to the people of God. <laughs> Who knew? Brother Branham said that years ago. Still good advice. I think it's a good thing for you to get your children together and, and, and pray with them and, as, they, as they face the day. And, all right, listen, uh, you know, a sermon like this, no doubt I've probably created as many questions as I've, I've answered, you know, because, you know, sometimes young people go away and they think, well, is that really true and is that really happening? Is that really going on? And it doesn't hurt for us to, as parents and families to get together and, and say, well, hey, let's go back to what the, the Word says. Let's go back to what we know is true. You're always safe when we stay with the truth. We're always safe when we stay with God's Word. That's our anchor. That's our position. I worship you, Almighty God. There's none like you. Let's sing it this morning. Can we take a few minutes just to worship Him now and, and uh, just to thank Him that you're, a, you're marked by God, marked for eternity. You're marked by God so that no devil can get you. He can make your life miserable, but he can't get you. I think we have reason to thank God. I worship you this morning. Let's sing it together. I worship you, Almighty God, for there is none like you. Oh, I worship you, O Prince. Of peace, that is what I long to do, and I give you praise for you are my Switch it, I think, to the key of C. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Order my steps. Let's sing it this morning here. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please order my steps. I want to walk worthy according to thy word. Please order my steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changing, but you are still the same if you'll
steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me every day. Send your anointing, Father, I pray. Order my steps in your word. Please order my steps in your word. I want to walk. Sing here. I feel like I'm, I'm, I sound. This sounds terrible for me singing. Savior, face to face. 
about us. <clears throat> he cares about us and what we go through. Uh, what's the, the, the song, uh, forgive me for not knowing the title, uh, about uh, Paul and Silas in the, in the jail. I bless your name. That's it. Let's sing that little chorus. I bless your name. Everybody now. In prisoner's chains with
Blessed be your holy name, Lord Jesus. Oh, I give you praise. We give you honor, Lord, this morning. Oh, we give you praise today, Lord Jesus. together. If you have a need today, when we pray, I want you just to slip your hand up to him and say, Lord, I just believe that you're still a healer today. I believe I'm marked as a son or a daughter of God, and I believe your word. I believe everything that you ever were able to do, you're still able to do today. Whatever your need is now, it doesn't matter. Every head bowed, Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence today, Lord. How the word, Lord, it just stirs us up and reminds us, Lord, of the direction of the people of God. Lord, we believe that we are here, not by accident. And we believe, Lord, you will take us to the next step, the next level, Lord, not by accident, but by your design. Because, Lord, no matter how chaotic and how difficult it gets in the world, you're still in control. You're a God who commands light out of darkness. You're the one, Lord, who put everything in place. And, Lord, we believe it's operating according to your timeline, according to your order. And, Father God, we submit ourselves to that today. Lord, minister to every heart, every hand raised, every need, Lord. Some of them are spoken and so many of them are not, Lord. But you know all about it. You know all about the concern that, that these people have, Lord. I pray for them. I pray for their unsaved loved ones. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to be effective witnesses for the kingdom in this world. That we people are ones who have a message of hope and a message of light because our body is full of light. And Lord, let us reflect that light wherever we go. And Father, may people, may people recognize that we are a people who are at peace in a world that's falling apart. We just want to say we love you, Lord, today. I pray you'd be the healer for those that need a healing touch. I pray you'd bring peace to people who are troubled. I ask, oh God, that you would bring stability for those that may feel shaky in our time. But Lord God, we know that no man will be plucked out of your hand that is ordained to be in your hand in any age or any time. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you honor today. We lift our voices, Lord, in adoration of you because you are the worthy one. And Father God, we have been made more than conquerors in this life through Christ who has called us for this hour. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We just commit the people and their needs to you and pray, Lord, that you would just be strong on their behalf, Lord. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory today, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. And all the brides said, Amen. I'm going to make it. He's already said I would. Let's sing it this morning. I'm going. He's working everything for my good. He walks beside me in my 
you go this morning. We're going to sing Shout to the Lord, and then we're going to let you go this morning. And um, remember what I, I told you. What Brother Bram said, read, read your Bible. He says, it's got marching orders for our time. Stay in the Word. It's got marching orders for our time. Stay in that channel. Let me tell you something. Keep your eyes single. Other stuff's happening around us, but you know what? My eye is fixed on one thing. That'll help you more than anything else, I believe, with all my heart. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night here in service and come expecting and just trust that the Lord will meet with us. And may God watch over you and your families and give you protection and peace through the balance of our week. Good to have all of you here today. And may the Lord richly bless you. So we'll let you go as we sing this here today. <clears throat> Together. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. I want to praise the wonders of
strength. 